Good morning. It is Monday, May 4th, 7, 10 a.m. I hope y'all had a good week. I know I did. It's been a very busy week where basically all I did was work. So as a workaholic, that is a good week. Some people, that sounds miserable to them, but that's pretty much where I, I guess, thrive. Um, yeah, so it was, it was a great week for that, great week for working. Um, got some really cool items to consign from Liz. She cleaned out her, the, I guess, or kind of looked through the, the clothing items left behind from a friend of her family who... The grandmother had passed at 109 years old. Can you believe that? I mean, that is old. <laughs> that's, that's, when I heard that, I, I was like, that is the oldest person that I somehow indirectly have heard of that's not in the Guinness Book of World Records. It's that old. So yeah, I was... I was uh, pleased to receive the bounty. Um, So yeah, it included some cute dresses and some Edwardian things and some costume things and then some things for the kitchen, for my kitchen to decorate with, which I love putting things on my vine in my kitchen. The vine is insane. It's it's really big and I need to get some reinforcements in there to keep it growing on the ceiling. But it's really cool to look at. So that was that was wonderful. Um, and then I went to the warehouse with Andrew twice to pick up books. The books have been selling really well. I really have fun picking them out at the warehouse and... I'm glad that people like books still, um, because I've got a lot, and I think I shipped out, let's see, I shipped out like maybe 40 books, no joke, last week, so yep, that's, as you can see, my life is consumed with work, I mean, there's really nothing else to do outside of my home, I I could, um, so yeah, everything involves work. Even my, my playtime, like sewing is actually work because I'm making something for the shop. Um, but yeah, that, that's it. You know, it's funny because sometimes, you know, back in the day when they would let everyone outside and I was forced to talk to people, um, back in the day, you know, people would ask me what I'd been up to. And I said, oh, I'm just, you know, working all the time. And like, ooh, that must be hard. And I was and I was thinking, uh, how do I say no, it's not hard without sounding like a total contrarian. And the reason why it kind of comes off in a contrarian way is because a lot of people just can't wrap their heads around it. Like, it work. But I really love my, I love my business and my job. So enough about work, um, but yeah, it definitely makes me feel really good, and it's not just about the money, it's about 
creating something that people love and enjoy. So, but I have been thinking about things that are not work while I'm working. And I have been constructing my perfect days that I'm going to have. So I've kind of been building a menu of perfect days. And um, I'm going to share those perfect days with you today. Okay, so we're going to start with Sunday. So Sunday on a perfect day, uh, I would wake up around 6.30 in the morning after having a really good eight-hour sleep. Um, And I would make myself a strong cup of coffee. And that would be all ready, you know, I wouldn't skip it. And then I would go to Alamany Flea Market. And I would stay there for about 2.5 hours. And I would find a, a whole bunch of really cool stuff. And then I would drop that off at the house. And then I would go across the street and wait for the bus and go down to the Goodwill in the Excelsior and shop there for maybe 30, 40 minutes. And then I would walk down further down Mission and I would go eat pho at the pho place. And then I would go home and start sorting things and listing it, taking lots of pictures. And then I would meet up with my friend Anne, who lives around the corner, for a little bit of a snack and cocktails at her house. And we would watch a movie, and then I would go to bed. So that is the first perfect day. The second perfect day, Monday, would be I would wake up, feed Lavinia. I would feed Lavinia every day, so I'm not going to say that. That's just, okay. I would wake up around 6.30 in the morning after a really good night's sleep, which might have be hard after staying up probably kind of late with Anne. Um, but, you know, I'd try to get up at 6.30 or 7, and I would do my podcast. I would make myself a cup of coffee, and then I would get on my bike, and I would just ride down to Japantown and I would go thrifting at the Goodwill there and then I would meet April for lunch and we would go to the Korean barbecue place or probably sushi since it would be our first sushi. Um, I've been eating sushi with April since I was 19 years old and I'm it's one of the few let's see not few. It's one of the many luxurious moments of my life is having sushi with her. Um, we have it down like a science. You know, when you go eat sushi with someone and they're just like, I don't know what to get. Um, can you order for us? I don't like any. Um, it's not like that at all. We know what the other person likes and we just, we're like a well-oiled machine. We've been eating sushi together for 23 years. So, um, I'm lucky to have her in the Bay area so we can just keep on keeping on. So I would eat sushi with April and then we would go to Daiso and stock up on crap. And then I would go to a matinee by myself, probably at the Metreon or, um, at the Embarcadero. And then I would go home and make myself a salad and I would do my nails and give myself a little mask and then go to bed. So that's one day. 
So then I would wake up on Tuesday, make myself a really strong cup of coffee, and I would get on BART. This would be the first time going on BART in months. I would get on BART and just go to my thrifting areas and start thrifting. And I'd thrift for about four hours, get back on BART, list some items, and then I would probably take a nap, a really long nap. I haven't really been taking naps lately because there's too much to do. Um, but I would like to take a nap. And then I would order some Peking duck from Big Lantern. So Tuesday would actually be spent alone, which is very similar to my days now. Um, but yeah, some of my ideal days are actually spent alone. So Wednesday, I would wake up around 6.30 or 7, have a strong cup of coffee, and I would, you know, do some shipping. Zelda would come over and help me ship, so we'd get it done in about an hour or two, which that, I really miss Zelda really bad. And then we would get lunch at the pho place, so it'd be the second time in the week eating pho. And then I would go to the library and look at their new, like, you know, their new shelf of the new stuff. And then I would probably take a long walk all the way to the Tenderloin, just for the hell of it. And I would go to the, um, if it was open, I would go to that fancy donut shop. I forget, it's like... Mr. Holmes. I'd go to Mr. Holmes and get me some kind of, you know, creme brulee jelly thing. And I would eat that. And then I would go to the Goodwill on Geary Street. And then I would take a cab home. And then I would probably make myself a nice little salad and have, you know, all of these, all the ones that don't involve cocktails at Anne's house involve red wine. Just speed it up. And then I would go to bed. Now, Thursday is my lucky shopping day, so I would go straight to BART, waking up at around 7, getting out of the, but trying to get out of the door by 7.30, so skip, actually skipping coffee and getting coffee when I get to my destination, and I would get, I would get there early, I would get a bunch of good stuff, come home, list it, and then I would probably set up, um, some sort of get together with Taylor and we would probably go to the horsey bar and have rosé and a little cheese plate and that would do me in (laughs) and then I'd have to go to bed early um on Friday Friday would be a day that I would do my rest and relaxation so I would get up around 6 30 or 7 make myself a nice coffee uh, maybe go have breakfast at Mission Kitchen get the chilaquiles and I love their chilaquiles there they're so good with the green salsa it's so delicious uh, over easy um, so I'd have that and I'd have more coffee there And then I would go back to Japantown 
and I would go to the spa, and I'd stay there for about two hours. I would go to either Imperial or Pearl Spa, and then I would have a sushi lunch by myself, and then I'd go to a matinee again, if possible, or skip it, because I'd already seen one earlier in the week, Um, but after my sushi lunch, I would either go to the matinee or go shopping at Najia Market and stock up on yummy Japanese food. And then I would go back home and get ready to have cocktails. So yeah, I would probably meet up with either a date or with a couple girlfriends I haven't seen in a long time. A ganglia of gals. And, um... I would probably, I think the place I'd like to have my first Manhattan, if it were the perfect, perfect, perfect day, I would probably on a Friday, kind of happy hour-ish, I would like to go to House of Shields because they make a really good Manhattan on um, New Montgomery Street. Um, But I would be able to slum it at Mission Bar again, of course. But, you know, I'd want my first, I'd want my first Manhattan back to be really special. So probably House of Shields. Um, It's not a fancy place. I just like it there. Um, And then I would have two Manhattans and then go to bed. Now, Saturday, the final day, I would wake up at the ass crack of dawn. I'd be a little bit hungover, but it would be okay. I'd power through. Um, I'd have really strong black coffee. I would, it would be before any of the bakeries opened, so I would probably make some cheese and crackers or something, and it would be around five in the morning, and I would go to some really good estate sales and I would clean up Um, and they would be estate sales in the Richmond district and then I would go to the park now this is a perfect day so I would have probably on this day I'd probably be going in a car with Andrew or something and we'd leave the stuff there and then I'd go by myself on a walk in the park. I would go all over Golden Gate Park and just walk and take in the beauty. And then I would stop in at a place and have some kind of big meal like Chinese hot pot or crabs or something. I'd eat a crab. And then I would probably take a cab home because I'd be really full or I might walk back home and it would take me about three hours to walk back home Um, but I love really long walks from like the Richmond district and from Golden Gate Park I'll I'll take a whole day to, to walk so yeah as you can see it's mostly shopping eating and friends which that's fine with me um, and that would be the, my my perfect a week of perfect days. And I would sprinkle in, I think it's my footnote, I would sprinkle in a booty call um, on one of those days, probably Thursday, because um, that seems to be the day. Um, but yeah, that's it.
that's from, that's my perfect days. I hope that you guys will take the time to plan your perfect days because it's really fun. It gives you something to look forward to. Um, and I'm grateful that I have those days to look forward to and I'm planning for those. Um, one of the most, I think one of the most isolating and most depressing thoughts that I've ever had because it evokes a feeling in me is when I think when I've had a when I've had a series of bad days and I think I think I've had better days I can remember when I was happier and fortunately that hasn't happened for me in a long time and I haven't felt that way but I know a lot of people are feeling that way right now and it's it's dark and it's sad and it's hard to think about, you know, it's hard to, to, to face like, wow, I'm not doing so hot right now. Um, so if I can encourage you, if anyone's feeling low to look forward to better days and realize that the sad ones are temporary, just as temporary as the good ones. Um, so yeah, that's what I've got for now. Um, I will say that the social distancing in the mission is kind of a joke. Um, I was walking to the post office and I had some big bags with me and there was this, these two guys on one side shooting the shit who wouldn't move. And so I just waited just waited six feet away from them to kind of move a little bit because they were kind of blocking half the sidewalk and then that would have been fine I would have probably found a way to go around but then this other guy on a with a cane started coming towards me and I felt trapped I felt like I couldn't move at all and I finally said I put my arms out you know kind of like on my side like a wingspan and I said I need this much space from all of you and we need to all of us need to be six feet apart and they laughed at me like it like I was fucking crazy and I just I I snapped I turned around I said do you want to get fucking coronavirus stay the fuck away from me and then I just grabbed my bags and kept walking and I was so upset I think the thing that outraged me so much is they didn't respect each other's boundaries or my boundaries. That was like the core of it, you know, and maybe some, some people would be like, oh, they just don't understand. And that's beside the point. If someone asks you to give them space, you should give them space immediately. No questions asked. It's not up for negotiation. You do not laugh at them. And this, and this applies to, to any circumstance. If someone asks you not to touch them, if someone asks you to, st- to stand further away from them, you should stand further away from them. You should get away from them. And I have good reason to. So that, that kind of put a kink in my wire, but everything got smoothed out by the time I was home. I was happy that they were not there. But it's just so it's so infuriating and that's happened a few times where people just won't move out of the way. I've had people come and tap me on the shoulder just to, you know, 
which I never like anyway. Um, sometimes, sometimes if you're standing on the corner at right where the Napper Tandy is, like at 24th and South Venice, and there happens to be a man there, <clears throat> pardon me, if there happens to be a man there, he thinks that you want to talk to him just because you're standing there waiting for the light to turn. He thinks you want to talk. And I'll just tell them, I'm like, just because I'm standing here does not give you access. And that usually, that usually like shuts them up. Um, but this is a whole new level of just, it's, it, to me, sometimes I feel when people will not social distance, it's another opportunity for certain men to disrespect you. And it pisses me off. So I will be keeping my social distance from them anyway. I'll just keep up the social distance. I've, I enjoy it actually just having some social distance. There are certain people that I would like to hug that I cannot wait to hug though. Um, definitely, I'm not a big hugger. But, but when I do let somebody hug me and when I hug them back, I want them to hug me and I want to hug them. So if, so I really want that hug, you know what I mean? Um, it kind of, it throws me off a little bit when people just hug you right after they meet you. I'm like, "Mm -mm -mm." and when they kind of go for the European kiss is hilarious. I'm like, honey, you are not. You are not a resident of France. And here you are trying to give me kisses on the cheek. I I just I'm like ugh. I don't I don't like it. It does nothing for me. Um But yeah, hugs are great. And you know, the good old handshake. I I like a good firm handshake. Um I can't say having, sh- I miss shaking hands with anyone though. <laughs> that would be funny. I miss shaking hands and glad hand. And I've been reading the rise to power. Uh, I think that's what it's called. It's a really long book. It's about Lyndon Bain Johnson's early years. And I am, oh Lord, I think I'm about halfway through. I'm listening to it on audiobook, so it's like 21 hours long. Um, I highly recommend it, especially if you have any ties to Texas. Um, as you know, I lived in Houston for 10 years, and he, he, LBJ was a, was from the Hill Country, which is a very, very poor area in Austin. Or kind of near Austin, and it was re- it was fascinating how even like in the modern age, like in the nineteen twenties, a lot of the people in the hill country did not have running water or electricity, and the excuse was, or the reason was that they had that they were prohibitively expensive to install the power lines and the water lines there. Apparently it was too expensive, but somehow through the new deal, it was made possible. 
So when the Great Depression hit, poverty went to die there. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was doubly bad for people that lived in the hill country. And LBJ was a big kisser, a big hugger, and a big handshaker. And he was known for being real Georgie Porgy with, with everybody. And he was like that since he was a kid. (laughs) And he knew he was going to be president someday. And he would turn little social clubs at college into these political organizations. And he would take them over. And it's fascinating. I can't really say I like LBJ as a person. But I'm fascinated. Um, And then after that, I'm going to read the second book, which is also just as big, which I forget the title of. But it is a good read um, or a good ear read. And I highly recommend it. Um, I, You know what? It's funny. Like in, in the realm of touch. Can you imagine? Like when you're a politician, you do have to shake a lot of hands. You got to pat people on the back. You do have to kiss the babies. And, you know, I guess kiss the women. Um, well, I mean, I guess you can't now. Um, or shouldn't ever. But then, or like hug the women. Um that seems like so much work. Um, or when have, I don't know if you guys have gone to go see Ama, the hugging saint. Um, I haven't seen her in a long time, probably in about 13 years, but yeah, I used to go to her ashram in Castro Valley. And if you guys don't know who Ama is, she is a Hindu woman She's from India, and when she was a teenager, she started, I guess, kind of going into a state of, like, a static dance, and I believe that she, I forget the whole story, but she basically kind of got, like, a calling to to hug people in her village, and in in the Hindu practice, it's called darshan, the hug. One moment. <coughs> um, it's called darshan, and it's this supposed to be like this hug from the cosmic mother. And I would go with my friends once a year, sometimes twice a year. I went a few times, I think at least four times, and you get a ticket and you wait in line. And you wait, I've waited till like three in the morning to get my darshan. Um, and you know, you have this big vegetarian meal, there's lots of songs, uh, the music is beautiful. Um, and then you go up and you get your hug. And it's not just any old hug. It's, it's the kind of hug that, I don't know, just, it, it, it makes you feel like engulfed in love. 
and you're just like enveloped. It's really powerful. It's powerful enough that when I think about it, it makes me cry. Not in a bad way, but because it's just, I haven't thought about her hugs in a long time. Her darshan from Amma. And she just like engulfs you. It just, you just feel it, you feel it coming out of her. And she won't let you go until she's done hugging you. And because you don't, because like, you know, like there's that normal hugging time. You're like, okay, that's good. And then you kind of pull away. Um, no, she, she holds you and just like very healing. And then you, when you're done, you go and you like sit off to the side in this little area of chairs after you've had your darshan. And you sit there just to decompress because it's such a, it's just such an overwhelming experience. Then you go home. Um, It's a lot. And then I feel after I've had darshan, I would feel really good, really just kind of like you're getting like a power boost or something. And it lasts for a long time. You know, um, one of the things that I would do, they would give you a little, a little to go cup of holy water. I would always freeze the holy water, you know, <laughs> I make holy water ice cubes and then take it out of the freezer and kind of like swab myself with it. <laughs> you know, the practical, the practical side of, of, uh, of going to get darshan. Um, but yeah, uh, I wonder how her ministry has changed. Cause all she, that's all she does. She just hugs everybody. She just hugs people. She sits on this platform and hugs people. I wonder how her, her, her ministry has changed. I'll be really curious to know. I hope, I hope that she, um, I wonder what she's doing. I mean, she's out of business right now. Um, Anyway, I have got to get going. I've got lots of pictures to take. I've got to clean and polish some books. I got some great sleeve inspiration. And yeah, I'm going to have a really good day. It won't be one of the perfect days yet, but I think it'll be very close. And I hope you all have a really great day too. Take care. Bye-bye.